Hello, and welcome to another episode of the uh, Solar Business Podcast with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, folks, I've got a uh, milestone episode for you today. And I say milestone because it truly is a milestone. Uh, my guest today is uh, on the show for the third time. She's the, she's the first three-time guest. So there's a hat trick involved with this. Um, Marissa Levine, she's the CEO and founder of uh, Marissa International. And one of the reasons I wanted to have her back on the show, uh, I love the way the universe works. I was uh, I was sharing her before, uh, sharing with her before I started the show, that I was interviewing another guy earlier uh, today, and he, he had been doing some uh, research on some of the writing that I'd been doing, and he noticed that I had done something in the nature of uh, business as a spiritual discipline, and his comment to me was what do you mean by that? Business is a spiritual discipline. I mean, it, he was having difficulty grokking that, just kind of you know, having it fit. And there is a, I mean, a strong case to be made for that. And that is one of the reasons that I wanted to have Marissa on, um, because she's gone through a very interesting uh, period uh, in her life here where she sold her company uh, basically to another firm. I mean, and she was on you know, the show um, talking about that whole merger process, acquisition merger process. Um, and she and her partner uh, at the time, or the new partner that she's taken on, um, were both talking about, you know, the, just kind of the, the personal awarenesses. She was, she had been talking about, and Molly had talking had been talking about her partner, it, kind of the personal, both costs and rewards that they were you know, noticing um, in the con in the context of putting these two organizations together and it dealt with identity. Who am I? Where do I belong? And when we start thinking about, you know, the nature of business being a spiritual discipline, um, the spirit or the soul of business, the soul of anything has a, uh, for many people, uh, a uh, presence that uh, kind of speaks to identity. Who am I? Where do I belong? My question has always been, you know, like if I say I love you to my wife, as an example, or I love you to my grandkids, um, who's the I that I'm speaking to and who's the I I'm speaking about? And that I gets to be a real interesting conversational focus. And that, I think, you know, uh, opens up a door to a really interesting conversation here because businesses, and, and excuse me for being on the soapbox here, Marissa, uh, but, but yeah, business can challenge my sense of identity in some fundamental ways, which is why I think it is a spiritual discipline, particularly mm -hmm. when we bring integrity and some of the, uh, the things that you're going to be talking about here, which you're calling the five eyes. So uh, Marissa Levine, welcome to the show. One Thank more time you. with feeling. <laughs> so happy to be here again. Thank you. Okay. I'm so happy to be the one who reached that milestone. I appreciate the trust. Well, absolutely. I yeah, yeah. The previous two episodes, uh, I've just loved our conversation, and this presents me an opportunity very selfishly to go deeper. Uh, I mean, sure. I always enjoy them. So, um, let's talk a little bit about. I mean, just I'll just open the box up here for you. How has this been a spiritual journey, and this meaning the the sale of a company that you spent a good chunk of your life, you know, kind of building up, and a good chunk of your uh, identity capital actually formulating. 
uh, and then you sold it. Yeah. What happened? What happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the company that I sold with my partner, Jen, uh, I had started that company, I think it was 13 years ago. And it came out of me exiting my first company, which I had been running for 17 years. So I have had a total of 30 years of identity wrapped into the entrepreneurial world. And that has moved across four different companies. So as I've moved across these businesses, I have really had to grapple with how much of my identity is tied up in this business. Because my first business that I left 13 years ago, I left for a variety of reasons, including that I just didn't think that I was the right person to be running that company anymore. And so mm -hmm. who was I without that company? So much of my public identity was tied into that company. And then all of a sudden, everything that I knew, one day it was part of who I am and the next day it wasn't. And not only was that, you know, uh, an internal and a private um, conversation, I had to explain that publicly, right? Like, oh, what do you mean all of a sudden you're not running that company? Well, what are you doing? And how can you run two companies? And how can you just start something new? So you have to be very comfortable with yourself as you evolve and transition from one company to another. And then I launched the second business. And for me, for a long time, for a long time, it was just me. And I knew that I wanted to grow it and I couldn't grow it on my own. So I brought in a partner. I brought in Jen and we reshaped the whole company. And again, my identity transformed. I went from being from you know, growing a company as a solopreneur and growing that to about $14 million with 70 employees and an executive team who saw things differently than I did. Then I went back to being a solopreneur. So all of a sudden I'm back to just my core identity. Then I bring in a partner and it completely reshapes the business and I have to integrate another voice and another perspective. And then we decide to sell it. And the reason that we sold it is because it didn't align with either one of our identities that we wanted to be and who we wanted to be moving forward, but we had built something so beautiful and we wanted to make sure that it was soul aligned with wherever it found a home. So then we sold it and then I launched my, my legacy company and I'm back to being myself. So <laughs> through that whole 30 year journey, which parts of me did I keep? Which parts of me did I shed? And when I went through this whole entire sale process, as I was explaining to you, I had to maintain in every moment a complete emotional investment in a, a desired outcome. And I had to maintain non-attachment. Yeah. Now that's an interesting paradox. Which is really hard. And how do you square that circle? <laughs> so that's the spiritually evolutionary process, right? Like as we talked about when we started this, every single thing that happens in our life, the whole purpose of all of it is to evolve our soul. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like every single experience in our life is to evolve our soul. Every relationship we have, every challenge we face, you know, the way that we look at the world is that we're on a soul's journey right? We are a soul embodying a human experience right now. We are a spiritual being having a human experience. 
we're in this physical form, but our soul has come, has been reincarnated. This isn't our first incarnation for our soul and it's not going to be a la the last. So knowing that this time that we have on this planet in this moment, whether that's 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, every experience that happens to us during this trajectory, if we know that the whole purpose is literally to learn lessons that our soul needs to learn to evolve, when you're in the middle of something unpredictable and uncertain, how do you release attachment to that outcome and not lose who you are, especially selling a business, which has been your whole identity day in and day out, day in and day out for decades? Yeah. How do you maintain who you are? It's so well, see, that, that goes to an interesting question of authenticity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about authenticity, it's not static. Most people think, and, and, and I want to bring this up uh, because yeah, you mentioned the soul's evolvement. Mm -hmm. I think many people have a notion that the soul is this eternal fixed thing. Mm -hmm. And and I'm going to go out on a limb here. Just, I mean, I don't, you know, none of this stuff is quote unquote provable, but it makes sense when we start looking at it through the lens of evolutionary expansion. Yeah. Yep. When you look at nature, the, yeah, there is nothing in nature that is thriving that is not as a consequence of, or as, 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 as a metaphor, as a mechanism is not growing. Growing will equate to thriving in the, and, and, but there's an involvement that occurs when the when the when the acorn starts to grow. It doesn't it doesn't hold that same form all the way through its gestation. So it's just a big acorn at the end of its life cycle. It's actually a full fledged oak tree. Uh, the form has changed dramatically. The soul's expression. This is really what I hear you talking about. The expression of soul through physical manifestation begins to look differently as growth occurs. This is, I think, important for not only an individual, but also for, for organizations, for businesses. If yes. you're trying to maintain static, you know, the status quo, that's the equivalent. I mean, uh, it, it's a, somebody once told me that a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. Wow. And a, lot, and a lot of people will find themselves in ruts and the, the soul has stopped evolving and the expression of the soul has stopped evolving. It's the challenges. Life is happening to me, not for, uh, uh, is, is what most people think. It's happening right. to me. No, it's right. not. It's happening for me. If, I, if I've got the right orientation, it's happening for me. How can I use this to expand and to grow? And that's what I'm hearing you say when you're looking at, you know, this 30 year period, this 30 year journey, there's been growth. Stuff has happened. Some of it's been pleasant. Some of it hasn't been pleasant, but there's been growth involved in all of it. Yeah. Even so, something that you desired, like selling the company, there's a letting go that challenges your sense of identity because that's a part of you that's now leaving. So two things I want to expand on the acorn metaphor. Uh -huh. Okay. Even, um, you know, I, I, I live in the woods. I have, pat, I've, I have the woods all around me. I'm always walking on the different paths, okay? Yep. When I see trees that have fallen, when I see dead trees, right, that have fallen, mm -hmm. they're not even done evolving no. because they're becoming homes and they're becoming um, food, right, for yep. the soil, they're still evolving even in their quote unquote death. 
they're still changing and taking shape and taking form, even in the end of what might look like a death. Like some people might look and just see, oh, that tree is dead. It's a fallen tree. No, it has just changed form and changed purpose. And now it's reabsorbing right back into where it was, which was the earth, right? So that's, you know, that is all of our lessons for evolution come from nature. I mean, absolutely. That was my TED talk. Right. Like, like you look at, you know, you, you, you look at the tides, right? They're like emotions. Emotions are energy in motion. That's mm-hmm. all an emotion is, is an energy in motion. It is the ebb and flow of a tide. It's yep. nothing more and nothing less. And so when we're in the middle of massive transition in our life, when we can sit in the emotion, whether it's discomfort, fear, anger, grief, resentment, whatever it would be, when we can sit in that negative emotion, it's energy in motion. And as difficult as it might feel, it's going to be temporary. And so when I was going through this process of having my business acquired, that was like a nine or 10 month process. Yeah. And, and one of the um, philosophies or mantras that I live by is don't push the river. <laughs> because you you can't push the river like no, it's gonna go where it's going <laughs> the idea that you can push it is it, it, the idea you have control is an illusion right i can't make it flow any faster i can't change the direction of it whether it's upstream or downstream don't push the river and so when i was going through this whole process with the business sale for me I would have to like literally go into my meditation space at home to dissolve the day. Uh-huh. And I would watch, you know, one of my most important teachers is Ram Das, And I accessed him every day through this process to remind myself about the soul's journey. And I would tell myself, don't push the river. Like the process is going to unfold exactly as it's supposed to and meant to be. And even if the outcome is different than what I anticipated or thought was the right outcome, at the end of the day, I have to trust that the universe knows what it's doing with my journey and I have to detach from that outcome. So your, your speaker that said, well, I'm not really getting the connection between the spiritual path and running a business, running a business is the epitome of a spiritual path. Yeah, it is. For this reason, I think it and, it and it is the paradox of setting a goal or an objective in a way that you're passionate about it, you're committed to it, and you're detached from it. Right. It's such a paradox in that. You're that, not defined by it either. Right. You're not. It doesn't have you, which is the way that most people experience themselves in life, I think. And if it doesn't work right, it doesn't come out the way they thought it was going to come out. Um, they think they failed. No, there's no failure involved in this. The river will end up getting to the ocean. And even then, it will move to the sky to be recycled back again as yep. rainwater. So yes. there's no failure involved in this. There's learning that can be involved in it. Um, and it doesn't mean that I don't get disappointed or anything else. But that's also a way for me to take a look at this notion of um, 
quantum creation, quantum, you know, just, you know, I'm going to bring in the law of attraction here for just a little bit. It's not what most people think. If you watch the secret, you miss the movie, you miss the intent. Um, the, the idea of, and, and Bob Proctor and I had long conversations about this and, you know, Bob was featured in, in the, the movie, The Secret. Um, the, the law of attraction is actually a secondary law. It's the law of vibration that precedes it. You know, everything works and yeah. everything vibrates. Everything is a vibration precedes manifestation. Absolutely. It's a frequency. Yep. And you can, you can overlap frequency and spirit in the same conversation. You can kind of conflate them and talk about them as if yep. they are the same, because it is spirit that's permeating everything at different frequency levels. And when I can get to a certain frequency, all of a sudden everything that's on that frequency band becomes available to me to work with. So that's what I'm looking at as a spiritual journey is continuously noticing what spiritual band am I on, what frequency band am I on? And the way I notice that is the outpicturing of my consciousness in my, in my reality. What I'm dealing with out here is an outpicturing of my frequency, my internal frequency. This always. is what I'm occupying right now, always. Always, 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 yes. Yeah. So um, when I, just, I evolve, quote, unquote, evolve, I, I move into a different frequency state, I will begin to experience different artifacts that are inherent in that frequency state. And it's an outpicturing of my soul's gestation. My, my soul has migrated, my soul has developed, my soul has moved, and now something else is available to me. I think it's me corporeally that's doing it. No, it's not. I'm just a vehicle. I've moved to and through me. Life moves to and through me. Life does move to and through us. Yes. I, I just finished listening to um, a channeled text and I'll explain what that is. Although I think probably a lot of your listeners know. So it is messages that are downloaded through um, someone who has been selected. Like, you know, Esther Hicks has yeah, been selected by Abraham, right? Mm -hmm. To channel the texts from the non-physical entities or channel the messages from the, from the non-physical entities. I just finished a 14 hour channeled text. It took me 30 hours to get through. And it was the book of love and creativity. And it talked about operating and living at the frequency of love and the connection between the frequency of love and creativity. And I'm also listening to, I'm, I'm constantly on Audible. I think I've, won, <laughs> I think I've been awarded by Audible, like every single badge that Audible ever has given, right? Uh -huh. I, I um, am also listening to several Napoleon Hill books at the same oh, time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, a big, I'm a big Napoleon Hill fan. And one of the concepts that Napoleon Hill talks about is there's two types of imagination. There's synthetic imagination and then there's creative imagination. And synthetic imagination is where you take concepts that already exist in the world and you bring them together. You bring these ideas together and you create a yeah. new idea. That's synthetic imagination. Creative imagination is where you come up with something completely that did not exist. And then there's creative vision, which is different from creative imagination. And that's where you really like put a structure around your imagination and you have vision on how you're going to actually implement what you are imagining. And so like you, I operate just naturally through my spiritual evolution at a very high level of frequency. Like I'm, I very rarely operate like in the lower frequencies with 
anger and fear and despair. And, you know, I'm just not there. Right. I am. I'm in that place of the love and the joy and the gratitude. You know, that's kind of like where my frequency is. And it made so much sense to me listening to Napoleon Hill because my creative imagination is off the charts. And I did not know until I listened to that channel text about the parallel and the alignment and the integration of love and creativity. So it's a beautiful thing. And that's exactly what you were just talking about. It's like, we are all frequency and manifestation always follows vibration. Vibration always precedes manifestation. Absolutely. And on that note, we're going to take a real quick break. I've got a very pithy quote that I want to bring us back from break on. Okay. Uh, so folks, we're talking, to, or I'm yeah, not we, I am actually doing the talking <laughs> here. Uh, you're listening uh, to Marissa Levine. And we're talking here about the nature of spirit and uh, business as a spiritual discipline. Yeah. yeah. What, what does it call forth? If you're willing to step into this leadership role with your eyes open to it's, a, it's an evolutionary track. That's what you're looking at here. So Marissa Levine, we'll be right back. Stay tuned, folks. The nature of life is evidenced in nature. Nature grows, and all of nature honors the desire to be more, to have more, and to do more. Life thrives when it's allowed to grow. And ideally, thriving is what we also, all of us, want to be able to do. Unfortunately, at some stage in life, Most people find themselves settling into what I can only call a rut. And a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. You want to quickly get out of any rut that you find yourself in. When you stop growing, that's when the coffin starts to appear. You know, the simple truth is this, and this is true for everything in nature. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Every one of us dies. So the question we need to come to grips with is not, are we going to die? The question nature asks us to answer is, are we truly living? That's what motivation is about. It's the desire to move. It's the desire to grow and to excel. Have I lived? How have I lived? I'd love for you to take advantage of my Leadership Mindset Masterclass. It's all about providing you with the tools to ensure thriving for yourself and for those around you. Register today to receive the free introduction video and find out more about this acclaimed program. You'll also receive a copy of my international number one bestseller, Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business. I'm Blaine Bartlett, and I look forward to helping you thrive. Welcome back. Um, Marissa Levine is my guest. And we were talking on the break, or just before the break, uh, just about frequency and manifestation and the different kinds of imagination um, that uh, you, know, you can bring into the conversation of, of how you, ma- yeah, basically how you create life, how you create results, that sort of thing. And I was reminded as, as Marissa was talking about uh, a line in a Robert Frost poem and I forget the actual poem uh, that it came out of, but I know the, the quote quite well. Our founding fathers did not believe in the future. They believed it in. And that distinction, they didn't believe in the future. They believed it in. 
they believed the future in and it started with being mm -hmm. on that frequency that it wasn't out there somewhere it lived inside they believed it in mm. and it started with that belief and from that perspective you believed in marissa international and mm -hmm. the work that you're doing now uh is organized around um leadership as a spiritual discipline yeah consciously yeah, and then, and that's my language for it i'm you know it doesn't necessarily fit exactly you know what's on your name card but but that's essentially what what you're doing here and you've got a model that you wanted to um that i wanted you to talk about which is you know the uh five eyes you know the yeah, i5 I model yeah the i5 so, conscious leadership model yeah. Yeah. So let's let's unbundle that a little bit because I think it's absolutely appropriate and, and germane to this whole conversation about business being a spiritual discipline. Ergo, sure. leadership is a spiritual element of that. Sure. So the I five conscious leadership model is five components: identity, intuition, intention, inspiration, and integrity. And this is based on not only my thirty years of experience of leadership and then working with thousands of leaders. All of these are grounded in evidence. So they're grounded in the fact that when you look at an effective leader, and when we say an effective leader, someone who is very clear in what they stand for, what their mission is, what their vision is, who they are inside as a leader that they're going to remain true to, even when there is adversity, that's the identity. We have done research that grounds this model you know, in evidence. When you think of intuition, one of the most important things about leadership is that they have what I consider to be three types of vision, not just one, not just two, but three. And it is about listening to their inner voice to be dialed into all of those. They have to really understand what's happening in the world far around them, things that they don't have control over. They have to pay attention to the external elements that could impact their business, either positively or negatively. They have to be able to pay attention to what's happening inside their company. And they have to be have dialed into their intuition to be able to understand where their employees are. And then they need to have their own intuition about decisions that they're going to make as a leader. So there's three levels of intuition that really highly conscious leaders need to be able to access. Then you've got intention. If you're a highly conscious leader, every decision that you make within your business is aligned to a larger intention. And that's not just a goal or a wish or a plan. That is full intention in terms of what you want to be in the marketplace, where you're taking this company, how you're going to show up as a person, how you're going to show up as an organization fully lined to intention. Then you've got inspiration. We all know that leaders require the ability to inspire others. And as we know, the word inspiration is really in spirit, mm -hmm. right? Inspire is to be in spirit. So how connected are you to your spirit internally? And how are you inspiring others through that connection? And then the fifth element is integrity, which Lane, as we all know, leadership is not leadership unless you have integrity, right? Integrity is what drives trust and dependability and consistency and reliability. Without all of those things, you're not a leader that cares about others. You're a leader that only is following your own agenda. So those are the five elements of conscious leadership. And so I work with leaders 
and then their leadership teams within the organizations to make sure that the organization is fully following a uniformed model of being highly conscious from a leadership perspective. Yeah, as you were uh, enumerating these and talking a little bit about the definitions of them, I started thinking about it from a cultural perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do these? Uh, what's the behavioral analog to these inside an organization as yeah, as as evidenced of their culture? Um, do you have any examples of companies that you've worked with or leaders that you've actually organized with that can point to their culture and say, "Here are the five eyes." Yes, yes. Um, I've been working with one of my clients I've been working with for seven or eight years. Uh, it's a large wealth management practice. I've been working with one of the leaders there for a long time. And we work on these, all five of these. And the difference that it's made in the culture, you know, in, you know, such a high pressure, aggressive, um, you know, volatile industry, right, that is at the mercy of things that are going on externally, we've been able to keep a culture that is fairly stable um, despite the external forces because the leader in the organization is so dialed into all of these. He knows who he is. He listens to his inner voice and his intuition. He operates from a place of intention. He knows how to inspire his people. And above all, he always operates with integrity. And so that elevates the consciousness of the entire organization and it keeps everybody engaged. So yeah, I bring this into all my clients when I work with them to build their culture. That's great. I mean, yeah, the, I'm gonna you know, touch on one in specific because uh, it actually um, resonated with me and it had to do with uh, intention. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah my, my phraseology for that in the work that I do with my, my clients when I'm coaching leaders is understanding the for the sake of what, which is different than Simon Sinek's why, Mm -hmm. The for the sake of what um, informs, yeah, what, and and there's kind of a hierarchy that comes into play here. And I'm and I'm mentioning this because I'd like to get your take on this. Sure. So you start with intention and or you know I'll just label it for the sake of what. I come to a, a fork in the road, and strategically speaking, I can go left or I can go right. Mm -hmm. And what informs the decision about left or right from a strategy perspective is the question for the sake of what? Sure. And it's important to understand that I'm making a for the sake of what decision or decision that's informing the for the sake of what movement, the strategy, because then that pathway is going to present itself with all kinds of choices that would not be present on the other pathway. Right. Right. So, yeah, which is different than choice making. It's actually decision making precedes choice making, and decision making is a function of clarity around the for the sake of what or the intention, as you label it here. And in my experience in working with a lot of leaders, that's a missing piece in terms of how they actually go about setting people up in the organization to actually perform, to do things, because they're not they're not real sure why the choices are being made in the way that the choices are being made. Because if that decision hasn't been articulated enough in reference to a for the sake of what, sure, there's no, there's no contextual frame. So I'm just kind of throwing that out there. You know, <laughs> so, so, you know it's so funny. I just had this conversation with another client uh, that I've been coaching for like eight or nine years. Um, every decision has a ripple effect. Every yep. single decision has consequences. Every single decision starts a domino effect. 
And I don't think that employees consider that. Uh, and that's, in all fairness, that's not their job. I mean, sure. they are there to execute a vision. They are there to carry out the mission of the organization. And this is why it's so important for all leaders to be highly conscious and aware of the impacts of their decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So in every organization, the CEO or the leader, the president, they can't own every decision. Like they just can't be everywhere. So you want your leadership team to be operating in a very highly conscious frame of mind to yep. know that when you make a decision, what are the domino effects? What are the ripple effects from that decision? That's super important to, to be cognizant of that. That's the intentionality. Yeah. You know, when you, you you talk about Ripple, and I mean, my brain works in pictures, and uh, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by holo, you know, holographic images and that, those sorts of things, because all of the information is con you know, contained in that hologram. Sure. Uh, you, you taught, and this is an interesting notion here, you toss a pebble into a, uh, a river. In the water and you create a ripple. Yeah. You yeah. toss two or three or four pebbles in and you'll get um, the ripples begin to cancel out. Yes. Now, what's interesting about this, if you took a, if you froze those ripples moving as, as they intersect, with, you know, come across each other and they intersect, you just kind of get this picture in your mind. Yeah. You take a freeze frame of that and you shine a laser light through it. And what you will get as a consequence of shining a laser light is you will get the pebbles coming through. The frequent, you know, you think of the ripples as frequency as a consequence of the actions that were taken. They created a frequency. Sure. You can actually backsource that and say, okay, here, here's what that pebble looked like that caused that. And you can get all, if you toss four rocks in there, four intersecting uh, circles, you'll get, as you reference it as a hologram, you will see all four of those pebbles yes. being represented. And all you're doing is you're looking at the information that's contained in those ripples. It's all information. It's all you know, in, in, in included in the frequency. So decisions predicate choices. Decisions are the rocks that get tossed in. Choices get made, and all of a sudden you, you're you know, you're either off to the racers or you're off <laughs> off into the guardrail. <laughs> if you why discernment in our choices is so important, right? So if you look yep. at all of those elements when you're making a decision, who am I making this decision? right? What do I stand for? Who am I in this moment? Intuition. What is my inner voice telling me, right? And am I listening to that intuition? What is my intention, right? Inspiration. Where am I getting my guidance to be making the decision that I'm making? And then am I in integrity with what I'm saying I'm standing for in the market, right? Am I in alignment with what I'm telling my employees, my customers, the market? This is why when you can make every decision against this I-5 model, you're living at a very highly conscious level. Very much so. And, you know, I'll bring back in the, you know, the first I, identity, and it's not the corporeal identity that is physically manifested. What I'm talking about or what I'm hearing you speak to is that there's an, there's a soul identity that is connected to everything. So yeah. business is a di spiritual discipline. Leaders that are approaching this as a spiritual discipline will recognize that there's a that there's an interconnectivity with everything that is going on out yeah, in my in my universe. And the decisions I'm making foster choices that are made that will impact my soul out there. 
not my soul in here. It will impact my soul in here as well. But it's my soul out there that's also being impacted. This idea of compassionate capitalism, I, I yes. end up becoming compassionate about the repercussions, about the ripples that my choices and decisions and my vision are actually you know, uh, putting in place. And that begins to heal the planet. That it does. And when Molly and I, you know, Molly and Victor, and then Jen and I were going through this acquisition throughout the whole entire process, we all wanted to make sure that we stayed in a place of pure intention, that yep. we knew that bringing these companies together was going to serve the greater good. It's funny because when we told people that we were going through this acquisition, the first thing that they went to was, oh, you must be making a lot of money from this acquisition. They immediately went to the dollar. Uh -huh. And I've never functioned, but I've never been motivated or driven by the dollar. My whole motivation for this was to make sure it landed somewhere that would take good care of what we created and could expand yep. the mission of creating wonderful workplaces. And really, Molly and Victor and SOAR Community Network were the only people and organizations that Jen and I trusted to maintain the integrity of what we had already created with our brand. Yeah. I mean, it really became about the integrity. I, we could have sold this company to another company that would have paid more money and they would have just dissected what we created. And it just, you know, it would have been like it never existed. Yeah. And I just... I couldn't fathom that that it literally would have just been chopped up and like like the whole that whole identity would have just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we build our lives on the ancestors that preceded us. And in this context, you know, your company is an ancestral legacy that provides a foundational place for you to move to the next iteration. Yeah. Relationships don't change as much as the forms of the relationships change. And when I can begin to uh, recognize that yeah I, I I have a relationship with my spirit I have a relationship with soul I am a relationship I am a relationship yeah and I have to recognize that that relationship has many forms but if I keep focused on the relationship I've got a pretty good chance of being successful because that's that's what's informing everything that I'm doing I love that you said that. I mean, my spirit's name is Joy. Like I named her years and years ago and it was listening to her. Like I've always said that when you listen to your body, it's one of the most important messengers in your life because that's your spirit talking to you. And, you know, over a year ago, I just felt that it was time for me to move on to something new. And I'm like, this when it starts to not serve us, it's not serving others. And I was like, it's time to evolve. It's time to move into something else. I don't know what it is, but you, that's what started this whole process because I wasn't aligned with my spirit. My spirit felt very suffocated. Yeah, that's a scary place to go. And it is one of the most rewarding moves you can make in my experience. People were saying, where did you find the courage You know, to walk away from something that was already built? And my feeling was like, I, I didn't have a choice. Like I felt suffocated and suppressed. Like to me, staying in that is what would have, you know, that just wasn't an option. That was dangerous no. for me to stay there. Turns it into a rut. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the end's kicked out. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 
Folks have been listening to Marissa Levine, um, Marissa International. Uh, where can people find out more about what you're up to, get more information about the 5i model? Uh, that's sure, uh, marissainternational.com. Uh, and then that's the website. And then also you can go there to sign up for our, my blog, which has lots of different um, types of information, including um, a daily motivational moment and mindset moment with me, in addition to uh, you know articles that I that I produce. And then LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn. I'm super active on LinkedIn, both you know for the company page as well as me. So I'm out there. You know, I'm accessible. Great. Marissa, I want to thank you. This is the third time's a charm. Yeah, I know. The, other two, the other two worked really well. This is kind of a capstone on this. Oh, great. I want to thank you for being my first three-time guest. Uh, it's it's been a joyful conversation. I love this kind of a conversation. Yeah, so. definitely. Folks, you've been listening to uh, The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more about what I'm up to at blainebartlett.com. And uh, yeah, just poke around on the website. There's a lot of material there. Uh, most of my IP is available uh, for little to no cost. I uh, just you know, give it away because uh, it'll all come back in some form or another. Absolutely. Find yourself a way to be a center of distribution is basically the message here. A center of distribution, not a center of acquisition. And your life will work pretty well if that's for the sure. way that you approach it. I love Take that. Care. Life of service. Life of service. Until next time, have a great rest of your week. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.